Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Hey, praise the Lord for today. Amen. Uh, what a great day in the Lord. And it's so good to be able to open God's Word together. We're going to be looking at Luke 2 here in just a minute. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Luke 2 here in just a few minutes. Uh, you know, as you think about the Christmas season, um, there's a question that if you ask a child this question, they will respond typically with great excitement and joy. But if you ask the same question to an adult a few weeks prior to Christmas, there's really a sense of dread or wonder. And that is, what do you want for Christmas? Right? It's a hard question for most adults. But as a kid, you know, if you think back back in the day, it was an easy, easy to create a wish list. Uh, back in the day, uh, they had a thing called a Sears and Roebuck catalog. <laughs> right? And if you were lucky enough to get it, sometimes there's even a JCPenney catalog, and you got both of those, and you could look at the toys, and you can make your list. And, and then as my kids were coming up through, um, there was this thing called a Toys R Us catalog, Christmas catalog, that came in the mail. And they would pour over that thing, you know, and make their list. And now, now there's this thing called Amazon. And if you go on Amazon, you can create a, your kids can create a wish list on Amazon. And all you got to do is point, click, and wait. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that good? Man, that's good. So maybe as we think about Christmas, and maybe wish lists are something that you had on your agenda this year. But, and may, maybe it's not the Christmas gifts, but maybe you had a wish for something in life. Maybe there's a wish that you have for a family, a, a wish about relationships, a wish about the job that you're in, whatever. But whatever the case may be, a wish is really nothing more than hope wrapped up in a word. Wishing is really hoping for something. And as we celebrate Christmas, while we may be thinking about Christmas wishes, let's turn our attention to Christmas hope. That Christmas is all about real hope that came in the form of a babe that was born in a manger. And so we're going to be looking at uh, Luke 2. We're going to look just at verses 1 through 14 this morning and uh, walk through it for just a few minutes. Uh, I'll try my best to get us out a little quicker today. I know it is Christmas Eve, and then we're coming back tonight, so we're looking forward to that. So if you're able and honor reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage of Scripture for us. The Bible tells us here in Luke 2, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And we pray, Lord, that you'd use your word to speak into our hearts today to be reminded afresh and anew of the hope that we have in Jesus. So, Lord, I pray now that you'd guide and direct all that's said and done. I pray, Lord, you'd simply use me as your instrument. And may we all have open and receptive hearts to respond to your word and your spirit's movement in our lives. Lord, we will walk away from here today. Lord, may we know that we've been in your presence. Lord, use me as your instrument, I pray. And may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, if you picked up a little bulletin when you came in, you see there's three points. And you probably saw there's one to do. There's actually going to be two of those today. Uh, So I want you to be aware of that. But we're thinking about this idea of hope for the world. And there's three things that I want you to see. And the first one, as we look at this passage, is there's hope in a world of wickedness. There's hope for the world in a world of wickedness. Now, again, in verse 1 and 2, we read these words, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. The first three words are words that we typically read. And when we read the Christmas story, we just walk right past them. Don't even give them any thought whatsoever. In those days. What was going on in those days? Well, in those days, there was something known as the Pax Romana, known as the Peace of Rome. But in reality, there was no real peace because Rome had control over Judea and it was a brutal time. It was a brutal peace. And so the Jews were oppressed by the Romans to cause them to submit to the Romans' authority. And there was heavy taxation in order to pad the treasury of Rome as well. So they felt the weight of all this. And the man in charge of this was a man by the name of Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. You've heard of Julius Caesar. Caesar. And and, uh, Caesar Augustus had risen to power after Julius Caesar was murdered. And these Caesars, Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, they had declared themselves to be gods. And so those days, in those days, those days were days of economic struggle with corrupt leaders who wanted more power. And they were willing to do anything to gain more power and to subdue those that were under them. It was a world of wickedness where men were seeking to act like God and men were seeking to, insisting on being treated like God, and they were desiring to be God. This world of wickedness where people were doing what was right in their own eyes. And so where is hope in that kind of world? Well, beloved, if we're honest, we still live in that kind of world today. Where, where, where man is still seeking to act like God, and man still wants to be treated as God, and man still desires to be God. You say, ah, oh, pastor, that's not really the case. Well, let's think about it. I mean, people, even us sometimes will act like we want to be a God because we're going to, we, we say, I'm going to do what I want, the way I want, how I want, when I want. And I want to do those things with no consequences for my actions. I want, to be, I want to feel like a God. And that was now, but also that 
is, was then as well. And so the Jews were looking for the Messiah to come and to save them from the corrupt world of wickedness. And it is into this wicked world that our hope came. Come on now, amen. It is into this wicked world that our hope came. Jesus, the hope for the world, is born. And we look again in verses 10 and 11 when the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want you to notice the word Savior. That this Savior was born to do something greater than to save from corrupt leaders. He, was, he, was come, he came to do something far greater than to save from oppressive Rome. No, this Savior came to save them and to save us from our own corruption. He came to save them and from us from the oppression of sin. He came to save them and us from our cruel enemy. The Bible tells us in Matthew 1, 21, when declaring that Jesus was coming, the angel said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And in John three seventeen, Jesus said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So beloved, hear me this morning. There is hope for the world because Jesus is our only hope in a world of wickedness. Y'all with me this morning? Jesus is our only hope in a world of wickedness. Our hope is not found in education. Our hope is not found in legislation. Our hope is not found in information or communication or even compensation. Our hope is found only in salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where our hope is found. Only in Him. Because Here's why. Because only Jesus can truly save the world. Only Jesus can transform hearts. Only Jesus can change the trajectory of a life. Amen? Amen? You see, he didn't come. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And that's what he did in us. Amen? And that's what he's done all through the ages. So hope in a world of wickedness is for all the people, the angel said. A Savior has been born. He lived, He died, He rose again. But you must turn from sin, turning to Jesus, trusting Him by faith, repenting and believing in Him. There's hope in a world of wickedness, and His name is Jesus. Amen? Here's the second point. There's hope in a world of weariness. Look at verses 3 through 5. It tells us here, and all went to be registered, each one to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he is of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And so here we recognize, we've already mentioned that Mary and Joseph are oppressed as they're part of the, uh, the Jewish uh, lifestyle, and they're Jews, and they're oppressed by the Roman government. And so already they're feeling weary. And now they must travel a long way over rugged terrain to register in the town of Joseph's lineage. The travel itself is weary. As multitudes of people are converging on the little town of Bethlehem, so many people in one place, it's weary. 
It's sort of like, there's so many people, it's sort of like everybody from Colonial Heights pressing into Walmart at the same time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Weary. Come on now. Weary, right? And in the culture of that day, as all these people from all around were coming into Bethlehem, the culture of that day was that the local inhabitants would open their homes for all the guests, for all the travelers. And so many people had already come into Bethlehem that as Mary and Joseph come in, there's now nowhere for them to stay. Weary. Even they try an inn, and, and an inn in that day was not the most desirable place. It was not the Hilton, I'm just telling you. It was more like a truck stop, okay? Not that truck stops can be bad, don't get me wrong. But as an inn, it was not the most desirable place to be. But even the inn was full, and they're weary. And then something else happened. It says in verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Can't you imagine Mary looking at Joseph? Joseph, it's time. And him saying, oh, no, 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 no. No, it can't be time right now. It can't be time. But it is time. And so the baby's coming. They've got to find shelter. They're weary. And you have to imagine that the thoughts of Mary and Joseph, even though they know that this baby is the promised Messiah, there has to be some thought that if this baby's the Messiah, then why? Why is God allowing all this to happen right now like this? Nothing is going right. They are weary. See, don't we know what that weariness is, friends? Amen? Is when there's the weariness of life, there's the weariness of war, there's weariness of wickedness that seems to win, a weariness when times when nothing seems to be going right, even in, at Christmas time when there's sickness or there's sadness and it just doesn't seem like it's supposed to fit together here at this time of the year, and that's weary. But beloved, here's what we need to hear today, that it's into this weary world that our hope came. In verse 11, again, he says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, friends, our world is weary because it is broken. And it is broken because of sin. And our hope comes in the form of a baby. But this baby is not just a baby. This baby is Christ the Lord. And he brings hope because he is the Son of God and the Son of Man. And while things may seem weary to us, understand that our God, nothing shakes him. Nothing shocks him and nothing shrinks him. You see, nothing is bigger than our God. He is God and he has a plan and he will bring it to pass. And so I don't know if you're feeling weary in this world, but know that if so, this world is broken by sin and know that there is hope in this world of weariness and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. This news 
is for, the angel said, for all the people. All the people. In just a couple of weeks, we're going to begin a series through the, month, through the year of 2024 on the book of Hebrews. And we go to the book of Hebrews today in just a, just a couple of verses. We see how this news is for all the people of weariness. In Hebrews 12, it says at the end of verse 1, Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, that's Jesus, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Isn't that good? Because he's the one who has defeated sin forever. You see, Jesus is our only hope in a world of weariness. He is God, He is good, and His plan is great. And He has defeated sin on the cross and at the empty tomb. And one day, He will fix this world that is so broken. Amen? And so there's hope. There's hope in the world of wickedness. There's hope in a world of weariness. And His name is Jesus. And thirdly... There's hope in a world of worthlessness. In a world of worthlessness. Look at verses 7 and 8. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now understand this about shepherds. We talked about the shepherds this year and we were walking through Psalm 23. And we talk about the shepherds and how shepherds in that culture, they were the lowest of the low on the status ladder of life. That they were the social outcasts of their day. That they were needed because of sheep that would be used for sacrifices in the temple. But for the Jew, who was always proud and always pious to stay pure, he wanted nothing to do with an unclean shepherd. Shepherds were just too unclean to be among other worshipers in the temple. And so the shepherds, therefore, were looked down on. They were shunned. They would walk, people would walk around them and they would walk over them. And so if you were a shepherd among the righteous, you felt worthless. I imagine there were shepherds who would say something like, no one knows who I am. No one cares about me. I'm unimportant, I'm irrelevant, I'm just a number, I'm worthless. Haven't we all felt that at some point? Maybe at work or at a gathering of some sort or even at a church service or even at a church event. But when we sense that, that feeling of worthlessness, beloved, let me tell you something, it's a lie from the devil. But it's into this world of worthlessness that our hope came. Look at verse 9 and following. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. Who? The shepherds. 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. They were praising God. They're saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angels who are announcing the greatest news of all that the earth has ever heard comes to whom? The shepherds. Isn't God in control of all this? Of course he is. Don't you think that those angels could have made that announcement to anybody else in the world that night? Anybody. But the shepherds, who are the lowest of the low, God chose to announce to the shepherds. And then not only that, we see where this miracle is to be found. He's wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. In an unimportant, listen now, in an unimportant, irrelevant, worthless feeding trough for animals wrapped in simple cloth laying in a manger. So what does that say? Beloved, it says that Jesus is our hope in a world of worthlessness. That you may feel irrelevant, you may feel worthless, you may be poor, but he sees you differently. That this good news of great joy is for all the people. And if he cares about and came for those lowly shepherds, then beloved, I'm here to tell you today that he cares about and he came for you too. And 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So maybe today you're one who feels that you're not good enough, or that you're not rich enough, or you're not wise enough, or worthy enough of the love of God. Beloved, it's a lie from the devil. Because Jesus came because he made you. Jesus came because he loves you and desires to reconcile you to himself. He came to give you life now and forever. You know, the truth is, is that because we're all sinners, none of us are worthy to be in his presence. But Jesus came and he lived a sinless life And then took the penalty for our unworthiness for us on the cross. But it was worth it to him to come and die in your place. Amen? He died and rose again so so that we could know him, so that we could belong to him, so that we could have life in him and be with him now and forever. So, beloved, there's hope for this world because of Jesus. There's hope for this world in Jesus. There's hope for this world through Jesus. And this is good news of great joy for all the people. So on that night, on that night when most people were feeling the weight of a wicked world, were feeling the weight of weariness of body and soul, and maybe they were feeling worthlessness in life, 
a baby was being born who would change the world. He came for them. He came for Mary. He came for Joseph. He came for the Jews. He came for the shepherds. He even came for Caesar Augustus. And he came for you. And he came for me. And his name is Jesus. And he's the hope for the world then and now. There's hope in the world of wickedness. Hope in the world of weariness. Hope in the world of worthlessness. And his name is Jesus. All right, there's two to-dos. These are application points, what we need to do with what we just heard. Real quick. Number one, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. You know, if you flip over just a couple verses to verse 16, you see that when the the shepherds, the angels left the shepherds, the shepherds heard what they had just heard. And verse 16 says, they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, it doesn't say it verbatim that they ran, but if I was a shepherd, you know what I'd be doing? I'd run. Run. Beloved, that should be our word for us today. Let us run to Jesus. The shepherds heard the good news. They ran to him, and so should you. Whether you are wicked or weary or feel worthless, know that Jesus came for you. He calls you to come to him, so run to Jesus. He is our hope. You see, this message is for all the people. Do you know what? You fit in that word all. Amen? Amen. He came for all the people. However, you must respond to the message. Amen? You must respond. Run to Jesus. And here's the second one. The second to do. We said run to Jesus. Now run with the message of Jesus. Because there's a message of hope that this world needs to hear. It's been said that, that we can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. The world needs to hear the message of hope, friends. And we have that message to tell them about Jesus. 120 years ago, in December of 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers, you may have heard of those guys, the Wright brothers, they were successful in getting their flying machine off the ground. Look how far we've come, right? Man, they were thrilled at what had taken place, and so they telegraphed this message to their sister, Catherine, and in that message, in the telegraph, they said, we have actually flown 120 feet, period. We'll be home for Christmas, period. So Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper, showed him the message. He glanced at it and said, well, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. The editor had totally missed the big news that man had finally flown. Beloved, hear me. There's a whole lot of news out there. Let's run with the message of Jesus because that's the big news. Amen. That's the great news. That's the news of hope. Jesus is hope for the world. Hey, let's pray together. Father, would you have your way in our hearts and lives? Would you guide us, Lord, today we pray? Would you lead us to hear from you as we respond to the message of which we've heard? Father, I pray that if there are those here today who don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you're calling them to yourself today. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Father, maybe there are those of us who need to come and say, Lord, I just... 
need to yield my heart and life to you. I need to yield this situation to you. I yield my family to you. Whatever the case, Lord, I pray that you would help me to be your servant. I want to be obedient to you and be faithful to you. Maybe there's some who just need to come and pray. Pray silently here at the altar or take a pastor by the hand. Whatever the case, Lord, I pray that we'd be guided by your spirit. And, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts and lives for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing together. Be pastors here to pray with you. Or you come pray silently as we sing together.